Trigger warning, the Resilience Project provides an open space for people to share their personal experiences. Some content in this podcast may include topics that you may find difficult. The listener's discretion is advised. Hello, friends. Welcome to Radical Resilience, a weekly show where I, Blair Kaplan Venables, have inspirational conversations with people who have survived life's most challenging times. We all have the ability to be resilient and bounce forward from a difficult experience. And these conversations prove just that. Get ready to dive into these life-changing moments while strengthening your resilience muscle and getting raw and real. Welcome back to another episode of Radical Resilience. It's me, Blair Kaplan Venables, and I'm coming into you live from British Columbia. I am sitting here with my new friend, Casey, and she has the sun beaming down on her and she looks heavenly and I'm looking out the window to snow and clouds. So, uh, and she's in California. So we're both on the West Coast. We're coming in hot. We're here to talk about some stuff. So Casey, I want to say wise, but it's Weiss. Right. It's yeah. wise. It's wise. Close. Close. Please, wise. Say whatever you want. The wise old Casey. Um, <laughs> so I'll just call you Casey. I'm sorry. I totally butchered that. Um, but yeah, she's a holistic nutritionist based out of the Bay Area in California. She works with women who want to stop dieting and are still driven towards their health and wellness goals. I love this because this is something that I've been on a journey with since I was 12 years old. I know a lot of women are on the same path, and her story is so inspiring. And I only know a small fraction of it. So I'm excited to dive in. But basically, what I know is that you battled an eating disorder for over a decade, and that you had to heal your relationship with food and your body. And be, you became a certified nutritionist. So you can help other women who are on that same path. That's exactly. amazing. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it was a long road, but very worth it. And I don't like, while I wish I didn't have to experience that pain at the same time, having experience in that space and understanding that struggle just gives me even more gratitude for the space I'm able to take up now and the relationship with food in my body that I have now. And also my ability to help women all over the world, because for me, it really started out not intentionally, which I don't think it really does with most people to have an eating disorder. Right? It's not like that was, yeah. that was my aim. And what's, what's kind of interesting is a lot of people come to having issues with food associated with control from a standpoint of things aren't going well in their life. And that's, I think also why for me, it was hard for me to recognize where I was in the beginning, because I actually felt like I could control every part of my life and everything was going well. Like I was getting the best grades I ever was in school. I was getting records and track. I had the best group of friends and what I was eating and my weight was just another thing that I could control. And it got to a very unhealthy space. This continued throughout college, but eventually my body, my hormones had enough. And at the time I was so freaking mad at my body. I'm like, why can't you keep restricting? Why can't you keep being this small number on the scale? Why do you like have these just like primal instincts to, to overeat? And I started gaining weight to a point that was just not feeling comfortable on my body. Obviously I did have weight to gain, but then it got to the point where I was gaining it because of unhealthy behaviors. And so I kind of got closer to the other end of the spectrum of just really not being in touch with my body. Obviously wasn't in proper touch with my body when I was vastly under eating, but 
just having like feeling like out of control with my hunger levels and really suffering in secret because I find well, what happened with me happened to so many women. We don't want to be open and with others. We're supposed to be strong and beautiful and have all of our life together. And talking about these kinds of things can feel taboo and, and scary. And so I really suffered for far too long in silence. And it wasn't until I was able to understand how I can marry both like the ideas of intuitive eating and listening to my body while also understanding holistic nutrition, because what I have found is that so many people are interested in the in intuitive eating and listening to their body, which is fantastic, but they may not then understand proper nutrition for their body. So being able to combine the two so I could honor my body, honor my physique aesthetic goals, but do it in a way that is loving to my body that is promoting long-term health as well. Yes. What a powerful story. So I want to kind of go back to when it started. You said it started in high school or was it like junior high? In high school. I, um, it was basically the main starter of it was when I went on a trip to Ecuador after my sophomore year of high school, going into junior year. And what do you, like, if you don't mind talking about it, like, what was it? Can you walk us through like the, the steps that it started? On yeah, definitely. So I grew up in a house where, you know, my mom cooked home cooked meals. I always had home cooked uh, pastries and whatnot, mm. or like brownies and cookies. And it wasn't from a restrictive mindset. My mom didn't buy a lot of processed food, but it wasn't in the within the vein of like, you can't have that. I just had food around and didn't really think much about it. I had a healthy weight. I was very active. Didn't really think too much about food in my body. When at this time though, I was on this trip to Ecuador as a community service trip. And it was the first time I really started to notice people around me, like not finishing the food on their plate, like the other girls on the trip. I was like, am I not supposed to be finishing the food on my plate? And it just became this kind of narrative within me. Like I just this comparison and I was a small person and it took me a long time to develop. And so I didn't really get a lot of attention from the opposite sex. And and so when I came back from the trip and I had lost more weight and then I continued to lose weight, I started to get more attention from all sorts of people and comments on my body. And not until later did I realize that this is partly fueled because I wasn't getting that type of attention before. Like mm-hmm. um, I wasn't getting like negative negativity, but I also wasn't necessarily getting that type of attention on my body. And it kind of felt good whether or not people were maybe even concerned. It was still attention to some degree yeah. and that fueled it kind of further. And then kind of going further down this, I, this sense of and feeling of control that for a period of time felt really good. Yeah. Were, were other things happening in your life that were out of your control that you, you know, where you focused your control on your like food intake? So later, yes. In terms of with how this then continued and persisted, but at the time it really was a control at all angles kind of yeah. situation. Obviously there were some things about I'm not sure I couldn't give myself my own grades, but as I said, like that was my junior year was when I like was starting to set to really do the best I ever had academically and do the best I ever had in track and really have an amazing group of friends. Um, the next year things really started to, to take a spin when it came to my friendships and whatnot. And then I saw using food 
as a control mechanism in a different way. But mm-hmm. at that time, and again, I think that's why it festered in a way that wasn't as noticeable to me at the time. And also at the same time, a lot of people who may have been athletes, like it's accepted more in the community to not get a period or to, she's really small because she runs a lot. and was a distance runner, but there were so many red flags that I wish that my care provider realized um, initially. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting. Thank you for sharing. So, um, did your, like, did your friends and family notice that this was happening and like, how did they approach it with you? So my mom definitely noticed that I was becoming an issue she had me seek a dietitian who, to be honest, was incredibly unhelpful. Um, not saying that all dietitians are that way, but she just made it have more tension around food with my mom and I. And so then I would do, want to do everything in secret even more. Mm. So it was really not uh, not a benefit to my situation. Um, with doctors, you know, I mean, to, this is, I haven't really talked about this before, but I at a period of time, I literally would put, uh, coins in my pockets when I would get weight at the doctors so that they wouldn't know, or they still knew I was underweight, but maybe not to the same degree. Um, so uh, they knew something was up and I still hadn't got my period. And the crazy thing is, is I wanted to go on birth control to get my period because I just felt like I was 17 and hadn't got my period. And they asked some questions at first, but then just let me do it, which is wild to me. And yeah. I talk about my mom and my mom feels so bad. Obviously we're so open and my mom feels bad, but I was like, you didn't know what you didn't know. And she did try and she made me shakes in the morning, whatever. I would dump them down the toilet and I would tell her I did it. You know, like it, it's, it's really hard now looking back, like I just wasn't willing to get that type of help, but it also wasn't so extreme of what you see with other eating disorders that like I needed to be anything, anything close to being hospitalized, anything, whatever. I was so it was like you hit it. You hit it. Around. Yeah. You were able to hide it. Yeah. Exactly. What was the straw that broke the camel's back when you knew you needed help or you needed to get better? So really honestly I give a lot of credit to my partner, my now husband. Um just realizing that I could have unconditional love from someone, regardless of what I looked like. I wish that wasn't the case. I wish that it only came internally, but that definitely was helpful in terms of me then having the confidence that I was deserving and worthy enough of seeking help. And I would also say though, that I started to educate myself. This was already when I started doing some nutrition work before I got my multiple certifications though. But at the time I realized like, the, I'm not doing this and I don't feel normal around food. And I knew that for a long time, but to the degree in which I realized I was having behaviors that were so detrimental to my long-term health. I was like, I can't do it this way anymore. And that's when I decided that it was really time for me to reach out for help. And thank you for sharing that. And like, kudos to you because that's a big step. And, you know, we just met, but, you know, I chose sobriety four years ago. My dad lived with addiction. And when I learned he was terminal, like I had to cut out the things that made me feel worse. Like I didn't feel happy, you know, my anxiety and depression, but like 
it's really hard to change something that becomes part of you. And I'm not saying I was an alcoholic, but alcohol was the bridge to bad decisions. But when you're used to doing something like not eating or like, you know, managing your, or living within your eating disorder, you know, and you were doing it for like you said, over a decade. It was less than a decade, but close to it. Yeah. Like that's a long time. So like having to retrain yourself um, is, you know, the fact that you were willing to get help and you, you started on that path is amazing. What type of help did you get? So I initially went to a dietitian who was an intuitive eating dietitian, which was helpful to a certain degree. Um, but when I, what I realized was again, kind of what I talked about before was that I needed more than just intuitive eating ideals, which again, really helped me get out of my state of just this cycle of restriction, but it wasn't until I saw a holistic practitioner, a naturopath who really helped work on the mindset with me related to food, helped me understand nutrition better for my body, as well as getting away from restriction. That is actually when I felt a lot more safety in my body, because just the idea of like, let's not like eat what, like not have these stigmas around food. That's great. And to get more in tune with your body, that's great to understand your hunger and fullness is great, but I still didn't feel this sense of safety of like, I have the confidence that what I'm eating is correct. So yeah, it's great that I am allowing myself to have certain foods. And then, then like then not just going overboard when I do finally allow myself to have these foods, but at the same time, I didn't feel optimally healthy, um, between that and then seeking some therapy as well. Um, all of those things together really, really helped me be, um, the person I am today and be in the state that I am. That's amazing. Uh, and I love that not only did you like do some learning on your own, but you got help from professionals because like, we don't have to go through our hard stuff alone. There's people out there trained to help us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so beautiful that you had the support of your husband, your, I'm assuming your, your mom, your family, um, and professionals. So let's talk about your work because your work is like, it's in the same world of food and it's almost like the complete opposite. And it seems like your healing, you did a lot of learning and that you wanted to give that same gift to people that have, you know, maybe live with eating disorders. Yeah. So I don't work with women who actively have eating disorders just because of what I know of the, the role that I occupy, but I work with, I do work with many women who have had past eating disorders, but the space that I work most with women is as you introed me, women who've had years of dieting, feeling like they're yo-yoing and just so not one with their own body. Mm. So through nutrition, through mindset work, through healing, I take a holistic approach so that you can understand nutrition for your body so you can feel your best and really focus on health first. And majority of women I work with do want to lose weight. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to lose weight as long as you're doing it from a place of love and a place of health. So again, I think intuitive eating can be incredible for people, but I do have people who come to me who tried intuitive eating first and felt like they were shamed if they wanted to lose weight. Now, not everyone has to feel that within the intuitive eating community. And as I said, I, I think there's amazing aspects of intuitive eating. And wait, what is, okay, wait, what is intuitive eating? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So intuitive eating. Cause I was is, just like, I'm like, I know I'm really intuitive, but like, I mean, I kind of like black out sometimes when I'm snacking, I'm like, Oh shit, I finished a whole bag of chips or like, I just ordered another cookie dough blizzard. So like, that's obviously not intuitive eating. Like, Yeah. So intuitive eating is a mindful approach to eating. And there are 
10 basically main principles. So reject the diet mentality, honor your hunger, make peace with food, challenge the food police, feel your fullness, like cope with your emotions. So as we can see, it's all different aspects. And there's a great book called like intuitive eating, um, where it goes over all of this. And again, this was really helpful within my healing. So as we can see, what intuitive eating does is the principles are really based on reconnecting with your body, stopping just doing things because of what diet culture has taught us. But as I said, with the people that I work with, they also have specific health goals. And again, when I say health goals, I don't mean weight loss goals. Do as And I'll repeat, most people who come to me, they do want to lose weight, but we focus on health, how they can get balanced energy, balanced blood sugar, balanced hormones, how they can you know, feel better in general with better immunity, how they can keep up with their kids or mm-hmm. get their body ready if they want to get pregnant or just live a better life overall because they have more vitality because of their nutrition. So what I do is help people to create a better relationship with food and their body while also empowering them with nutrition that they understand for their unique body, their unique goals, their unique needs, they can utilize. And it's not like a meal plan situation here. I really empower the women that I work with so they can work with me and then move on from working with me and not have to go on or pay for another diet or meal kit system, right? It's so that they have the tools for life. And that is where we have been so freaking gypped as women in particular. And I know like this can apply to men too, but I really do focus on women's and women's health. Um, We have been just told that we're supposed to be miserable if we want to be healthy and that healthy is equated with a body size. And that couldn't be further from the truth. And there is definitely a greater movement right now that is proving otherwise, but we still have a long way to go. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's interesting, like, as you're saying that, like, I guess I'm someone who's tried every diet, like, oh, these pills help you lose weight, like, you know, ginkgo biloba or whatever pills. I actually have a ginkgo tree. It's funny. But like, ever since I I started working out at the gym when I was 12. And that was because I, the gym was in the school and my mom was a single mom. So she would drop us off when she was on the way to work. So I, I would just like go work out. And, um, I've never really like restricted my eating, but I've tried Like, I've never like not given myself meals. Like I love food and that's like maybe part of the problem, but like, I never was eating to fuel my body. I was just eating. Right. And growing up, you know, we ate a lot of pasta and not, you know, and, and some salads, but like, I don't feel like it was like, you said you had a lot of home cooked pastries and meals. And we didn't really have that. Cause we had a single mom who was working full time. And so growing up, I, you know, I didn't think of it, but when it was my later years, like I'd say after high school into my like twenties, even thirties, like I have tried so many different things to the priority would be like feeling better and have more physical endurance to hike in the mountains and paddleboard and just feel better, especially because I have a very like desk job. Um, and losing weight was like the nice bonus. And I actually ended up losing 20 pounds because I was learning to fuel my body better. And because I was fueling my body better, I had more endurance for my physical activity, like hiking up a mountain or riding my bike. And then my hormones got all fucked up when I had my miscarriage and then my father-in-law died. My mom died. My dad died. I, people would deliver food. I didn't care what I was putting in my body. Someone was giving me bagels. I'll eat the bagels. Someone gave me lasagna. I'm going to eat the lasagna. And I am sober. So I comforted myself with food because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't use the substances. And so 
it, my hormones are finally in this place of being balanced because now I'm back to fueling my body and eating nutritious food. And it's just like, I feel like I, like what everything you're talking about, like, I feel like I'm a science experiment because like, I've been going through all of it and everything that you're saying, like, it's very important, but people out there, like I'm 37, like I didn't know hormones could really mess up your health as much as like, if they're out of balance and out of whack. And there's like, I mean, do you talk about other things to help with blood sugar and hormones and digestion, like other elements besides nutrition? Absolutely. Yeah. Like I just, holistic. I'm somewhat, yeah. Like my hormones are just getting back in balance and I could feel it. Like my skin, I was getting like cystic acne and like, I couldn't lose weight and I felt bad. My anxiety and depression were bad. And so it took a long time to figure it out. Cause I was like, why am I not losing weight? And why am I feeling so sluggish? I mean, I didn't get off the couch for a few years, but yeah, I want to talk a bit more about like you know, cause this interview is going to slowly wrap up and, but like, I think it's not just like what you nourish yourself with, right. It, there has to be other things too. I love that you were use the word nourish. Cause that's exactly it. When we thought focus on nourishment, we think about just nutrition, but nourishment has to come from all angles, including our environment. And I'm not just talking about sleep, right? We need to focus on our boundaries, our surroundings, how we're talking to ourselves, our stress levels, I mean, for example, cortisol is a hormone and there's a thing, famous thing called the cortisol steel because hormones, um, are created like from, from similar pathways as a result, when you then are overproducing cortisol as a result, you cannot produce enough of the proper other hormones. Now that's a very simplified thing. I could go into a lot more detail if we had more time, but we need to understand how everything interplays together. And that's why I'm so passionate and I'm so proud to be a holistic nutritionist because I focus on all aspects of your life. And if you're not finding joy in other ways in your life, then of course, what are you left to do other than to eat food or to drink or to engage in drugs? And that is not your fault. It's because you haven't been taught other pathways. So we need to work on ways that you can fill your cup and you can be proud and you can feel worthy because we can use food to cope to some degree, but it is not healthy to have it as our primary and only coping mechanism. Amen, Casey. <laughs> like, I mean, like everything works together, right? And it's yeah. interesting. Um, I, I talk often about the five secrets to strengthening your resilience muscle. And one of this, one of the main ways that I, I talk about to be more resilient is how you fuel your body and not just like what you consume by your mouth, but like also like where you spend your time, what you watch, the music you listen to, the type, like, are you listening to true crime podcasts or are you listening to heavy metal or are you listening to like zen meditation music and, and absolutely you know what I mean so I think like it, it like when you are nourishing your body fueling your body in an, a healthy way that is a way for you to be more resilient and I yeah. I just I love how this all like kind of tied up together in a nice bow because like I'm someone who knows, like, I feel like I've, I mean, I've gone through, I've gone through the motions and so, so have you. And I bet you a lot of us listening can relate, unfortunately. And so how can people find you if they want to work with you or learn more about you or just like Instagram stalk you? 
Thank you. So I'm definitely active on Instagram, your case for wellness, all one word. It's also my website as well, but honestly, the best way to contact me and figure, find out about my programs and what I'm currently offering is your case for wellness on Instagram. I'm going to that link in bio. I do private coaching, group coaching. And then on a separate note, I actually just launched a pregnancy course, which is a new thing for me that I launched with my co-coach friend who's a pre-postnatal specialist. So just another, another thing there, but love just chatting with anyone truly about anything. So send me a DM at M on Instagram at your case for wellness. I love that. And her links are in the show notes, her full bio, which I didn't read is, you know, there, it's sitting in the show notes. I invite <laughs> you to go check her out. So one final question for you. Um, what advice do you have for someone who is listening to this, who you set off an alarm bell, who's like, you know what, like, I'm, I, I think I have an eating disorder. What is the, what is your advice for the first thing that they should do? Honestly, seek help um, because there is nothing wrong with seeking help and it's only to your benefit. Maybe you don't have a quote unquote eating disorder from the textbook definition, but if you feel in any way that you have an issue with food. Also, I want to say that a lot of people don't get help because they don't think that they have an extreme of having anorexia or having bulimia or having binge eating disorder. So they think it's not worth getting help. That couldn't be further from the truth. If you feel not normal around food, if you're always thinking about food, you're stressed about it, you look at others and say, I just wish that I could eat the way that they do and not be thinking about this all the time. It's a sign that you should seek help. Now you can go to your you know, primary care physician to go to a therapist, like they can help to guide you, obviously, since this is very generally speaking, but you should know that you deserve help and you don't have to be at some extreme in order to seek that. That is brilliant advice. And, you know, because of my issue recently, I, I got help. I worked with an obesity doctor and we're working on my mindset because I'm someone who turns to food. And I think maybe not binge eating, maybe binge eating. I don't, I, I, I have an app and I meet with a doctor. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we need to do what we need to do to be healthy. And there's no shame in that because it is okay to not be okay. So thank you so much for joining us for this episode. You are amazing. You're doing some really important work in the world. And I really appreciate your honesty and openness and vulnerability. Thank you so much. It was such a joy being able to speak with you. Thanks for having me. Thanks. And to everyone listening, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Radical Resilience. We are in your ears. New episodes drop every Friday. And, you know, we've been talking about it. The Global Resilience Project, book number two, is now open for applications. Book number one became an Amazon bestseller internationally. And... Book number two will probably do the same and more. We have a limited spots available. Um, go to theglobalresilienceproject.com if you want to submit your story. If you have questions, you can book a call with me. But let's tell your story. Let's be, let's be in this resilience textbook, essentially, together. Your story can help someone going through something similar. And in fact, telling your story is part of your healing journey. Just know that it is okay to not be okay. We are the lighthouse in the storm, the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you don't have to do this alone. We are with you every step of the way. You are resilient. That's a wrap for another episode of Radical Resilience. 
Do you feel inspired by this episode? You can subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player and connect with us to join the conversation at IamResilient.info. Remember, it's okay to not be okay. And you, my friend, are resilient. Radical Resilience is a podcast created by The Resilience Project.